considered a recovery, not a rescue. Meteorologists say the last time low temperatures broke minus 30. When they find you, ask for Henry Deaver. Can you hear me? Have we checked out his ears? Hey everybody, welcome back to another, another uh, meeting of the Castle Rock Historical Society. I am here with the vexed and beleaguered Acadia Einstein, and uh, we may have been cursed by the schisma. We already recorded this episode, but we're back again. Our timeline's just as fucked as Ruth's. Yep, and we don't even have like a big giant fancy house with a tower in it. I just have... A rickety computer and horribly disfigured face. So it wasn't the best week since Schisma. We had such a fun time recording the episode and Audacity blew up and so did literally my face. I went to urgent care today and the and the lady went, what's happening to you? I'm like, I, if you don't know, I'm in a lot of trouble, ma'am. That's well, good. if Acadia dies from his mysterious disease, I got a great horror movie script for it. So not all is lost. That's true. Yeah, but you Let's won't be see. able to get the recorded notes because Audacity will fuck us the last. <laughs> nah, I'll just make it up and the ending will be, it was witches yeah. or aliens in your honor. Oh yeah, that would be good. Make my make the end of my movie a movie I wouldn't want to watch. That's, that's exactly. outstanding. <laughs> All of this to say that we're going to try to get everything that we talked about the first time. Yep. Uh, if not, hopefully we'll hit it on the stacks into the microfiche episode, which we're still going to do. Yes. So you're getting everything. You should know we're only like 50% as funny this time as we were when we originally recorded this thing. Very I mean, true. you Very missed true. out. Plus I'm all hopped up on prednisone, so I don't even know what that does. Does I- prednisone cause roid rage? Should I be concerned? I, I mean, know. I'm just a picture I, on a video screen, but... I can I can feel my bones vibrating. Is that bad? <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> uh, no, that's fine. I'm sure it's fine. It's, it's right, just good. the schisma or yeah, whatever. Exactly. It is monstrous howling. Which, yeah. hey, it's back with a vengeance. It is. I'm not changing the name. I think my name is cooler. Your Even name. though it's not scientific. <laughs> it's, it's better. It's better on a shirt. It's it's better in basically any way you want to react to something. You could just say Monstrous Howling and it would kind of apply. Yeah, and I think this clears us for merchandising because it's not the name that Stephen King is using for mm-hmm. this thing. So we're yep. good to go. All right. Episode six, Filter. You know, when we start off, we always have our little, what's the double entendre of this title? Mm -hmm. So I've got filters that sift out impurities, like when you're making coffee and it keeps you from getting sand up in there. Or, you know, it purifies sound or materials or water. It can also mean to sort something out. You filter out options, same basic meaning. And then I thought about lacy cigarettes and that there are filters in cigarettes, but I don't know much about cigarettes. You live in North Carolina. You should, didn't you have the entrance exam? Oh, no, I just mean that I don't smoke. Oh, also, yeah, I yeah. grew up I grew up as a Yankee, so if smoking is part of North Carolina culture, I probably missed it. Well, I think more tobacco. I don't think anybody smokes anymore. I don't uh, know who they sell it to. but That's true. My big filter one was the filter that people put on themselves so that they don't say things that they feel like they shouldn't say depending on who they're with. And since nobody in this 
goddamn show ever says exactly what they're thinking with the exception of Molly. And I think Molly does it because she assumes everybody knows what she's thinking because yeah. she knows what's they, what they're thinking. So, <laughs> Oh, that's like a much better thought than any of mine. So a filter like I should apply when I try to talk about Bill Skarsgård's naked body in every episode. Yes. But don't do yeah. that because that's a that's a that's market research says that tests through the roof. Everybody loves that. But yes, well, ideally, well. it's the it's the thing that makes you not start a job interview with. Okay, dummy, let's me tell you why I'm going to get this job. <laughs> yep, they ask you every time, like, why do you want this job? The filter stops you from just saying, I want money, asshole. Yes. That's yes. why I want this job. Exactly. Well, we open our filter episode with a sort of, it's not a voiceover, because it's not a voice, but of the, the monstrous howling over the woods. And uh, we open on the saddest reburial ever, with no guests in attendance at all, despite Reverend Deaver being uh, by all accounts a beloved minister, reverend, pastor, but nobody's there. Just the as yet unnamed minister of the Church of the Incarnation. Like, they really buried the lead on that one. Yeah, right. He's just called pastor, even on IMDb, which creeps me out. The pastor who has no name and also has no idea how many people are going to come to the service because he had it all decked out and they printed up flyers and they had that the same bible verse that came up in a previous episode and yes. it's from something corinthians but i don't get why they even had a service considering this was technically the dude's third burial i know it's kind of strange first corinthians 15:51 by the way Behold, I tell you a mystery, the dead will rise, etc., etc., all will be changed. Basically talking about the resurrection as the Christian concept of when the world ends, all of our dead spirits will be called to wherever they are welcome. Otherwise known as skeleton war. Ta-da! <laughs> and, I mean, it also obviously brings up shades of Pet cemetery because, you know, Ruth is afraid that the dog came back and, you know, he did just get over exploding coffin syndrome. They seem to have mopped that up pretty well for the service. It wasn't oh, like yeah, they had a can... bucket under it like it was a leaky roof. But the bones would be okay, right? Like, clarify that for me. Yeah. Imagine throwing a hockey stick into a septic tank. Mm -hmm. That's the bone. Oh, okay. Is exploding coffin syndrome what happened to that sarcophagus in uh, Egypt? You remember? Yes. Or something similar? I think what happened with that one was nobody knew there was a sarcophagus there, so they sort of just pumped sewage into the ground directly and oh yeah i guess that's it. true the point is if you want to drink goop that came from a coffin and you want it to be death related and not poop related do the exploding coffin thing yeah. not the sarcophagus in egypt thing also everyone that wanted Gross. to do that i don't know why they didn't just go yep step right up you dummy because you're gonna die right. and just sign this stack of waivers <laughs> or those of you that aren't local to egypt just stick a straw in a portageon you oh. weirdos Oh, yeah. that's bad business. Speaking of weirdos, the kid is trying on Reverend Deaver's in the garage or the guest house or whatever we want to call it. Mm -hmm. The kid is weird. He is also, weird. And he looked so like David Burnish in that talking heads size suit. I swear to God, if they don't get Bill Skarsgård some clothes that fit before yeah. the end of this season, I'm just going to personally write a strongly worded letter to J.J. Abrams about how he hates me. It's like somebody stuck a broom in a shirt. That's, yeah. It's, it's bad. And, it is. And he shouldn't, it, he also seems super, and it, it more so later, this idea that, that he kind of hatched out of the ground when Lacey caught him. <laughs> 
yeah. doesn't like he was just like huh, huh and then I'll, oh damn it a cage yeah but it doesn't make sense now because he knows how to do like real person things like nobody right. there weren't any and, and we'll get to this part in the in the timeline but they don't tell people in cages how to hook up vcrs to old-time tvs and that kind of stuff right or like how cassette tapes work or French yeah. cuffs or anything like that. And that's what he's doing in there. He's like looking at sermons that are on cassette tapes and home movies and what have you. And, oh, I think I alluded to in the hot take episode that I was going to say something gross about the kid's possible identity. So immortals traditionally in literature or film or whatever are these beautiful, unaging people who don't have to suffer the dignities that us mortals do. Like, there's a poop bucket in the cage. I'm assuming that that chili pot is a toilet because it's not for making chili. And there was one in there and there was one outside of there. Also, I don't think immortals would make a box full of fingernails and toenails. That's definitely something something that a human being does, a mortal person. By the way, making Acadia gag at least once every two episodes is in my writer. So it can't be prevented. You're six for six. Nailing it. Yeah, he's very much a person, but yeah. the not aging part is is a bit of a problem. Indeed, indeed. Time is passing differently in his little bubble around mm-hmm. his body for whatever reason. But after they cut away from the kid, I say cut away because I don't know what the film term is, but that seems right. <laughs> Star wipe? <laughs> yeah. Ooh, I like the checker wipe. Oh, that's, that is a good one. That's that's PowerPoint, though. <laughs> We've got the bridge-watching duo, and I think we already walked this back, but we both thought it was a lady. It's not. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a guy with long hair. Shame on us. The heteronormativity has to stop. I do feel a little progressive because I thought he was a black lady. Yeah, I definitely just saw lady hair which you know i have the same hair it's like it's it's dark wavy hair just like mine so i was like oh respect another lady but it is not yeah as i put in my notes cheap knockoff brunette macaulay culkin but it's actually a real macaulkin so now i feel bad uh rory macaulkin i think you told me rory yeah yeah i don't know film people oops yeah that's all right it's not like he's burning up the charts so yeah, I guess that's true. But nobody else besides them came to the funeral. It's no. the taller black gentleman and the shorter Rory McCulkin gentleman and their camper, which becomes very important later in this oh, episode. does it? Yeah, their 1970s camper. It's not even a new one. Nope. It's not even a nice one. And it's not an Airstream, which means it's not a cool one. Yeah, no, there's no, there's no vintage-ness. It's no. that fine line between vintage and old and shitty. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like the design of hospital waiting room chairs. Hasn't been updated in 40 years. It's nasty. And so after the close of the sad funeral, we find out that the kid wants Pangborn to get something. Now, at the beginning of the episode, I had no idea what he was talking about because he's going to Syracuse, which I guess is in New York. Yep. How far of a drive from Maine is Syracuse, New Six York? Six or seven hours. It's okay, far. that's a long-ass trip. Yep. It's yeah. far, and it doesn't make any sense to me that they would not have made it the junkyard that was in Stand By Me. Right! Chopper sick balls. They had a junkyard right there. Why wouldn't they just use that? I know! And another opportunity for some dog imagery, because mm-hmm. Chopper. But no, it's like some random private junkyard up in New York. Now, knowing the geography, which I didn't at the time that I was watching it, I get it almost seems like the kid's trying to get Pangboard out of the way for a while, yes. which is not good. Because it'll be, what, like 12 to 14 hour round trip. 
Yeah. So since Pangborn gets back when it's dark, I guess we're assuming it's an earlier morning. People of Pangborn's age tend not to sleep in. True. So there he goes. And Pangborn is understandably confused. How is me going to Syracuse, New York to get a truck from a junkyard going to heal my girlfriend? If anybody in the town is going to be able to suspend their disbelief for cockamamie schemes that involve mystic shit, it would be Pangborn. True. Although he's not happy about it. No, he doesn't. He doesn't like it. He like he at first protests and then gives in like really easily. And the yeah. the, the thing that the kid says, her enemy is time. Mm hmm. Time Which is her enemy. 75 different interpretations just within right. the show. But for whatever reason, that satisfied Pangborn. It did not satisfy me. I was like, how the fuck is that an answer to what Pangborn just asked you? Not at all. But now, so. from a looking at the show standpoint, time is the enemy because if you wait too long, she's going to die. Or time's the enemy because... Time is literally messing with her because right. she never knows when she is. Mm -hmm. Or, and we, we will touch on this a bit more deeply later in the episode when we get to this point, that time is affecting her somehow differently yep. than it's affecting the rest of us. So then... We have a song again. Songs are very important in this show, it seems to me, even if not necessarily to the characters, but to Stephen King and to the mood and whatnot of the scene. It's called The Sun Ain't Gonna Shine Anymore by the Walker Brothers. That title alone is very end timesy. It really is. And it's blacking it's, out the sun. Yeah. Who are they shooting at with this song? Are they just trying right. to show us that that the kid is like old? You know, he, right. he knows old timey stuff. Because so, why wasn't it like Black Hole Sun or something yeah. from the nineties? You know. <laughs> and like, it's not a song that Stephen King would even necessarily be fond of from his childhood because I'm guessing he's not that much. He's not that old. I don't think he's a boomer though. Yeah. So my parents were both born in sixty three and sixty four, respectively. And they're close-ish in age to him, I think. They are um, right. They're technically Gen X then, like me. Yeah. So he wouldn't have been like a teenager. So, But yeah, like the inkling came to me when we heard the Animal Crackers song and the kids seemed to be drawn to it, that he may have been living at the time that these songs were around and that they're familiar to him for some reason. Yeah. When would Animal Crackers, like Shirley Temple was That's like the super 30s. duper popular. That's the 30s. So... I mean, if maybe the kid is majorly long lived, it seems like a irrelevant theory at this point. But we have to remember likes old songs. Maybe. By the way, same record player needle cartridge thing as the Animal Crackers record player was. Huh. Which I think and you can tell just because there's like a distinctive stripe yeah. down the middle of the cartridge. Now, but I think it's probably because the they only department? had one. Yeah, that's what yeah. I, I really think that's what it is. I don't think it's a magical phonograph. I just think they didn't get more it, than we're, one. We're watching you, Castle Rock exactly. Prop Department. So we don't blame you though. No. Because like yeah. No shame in it. And I, I guess we have to remember that the record collection that he's pawing through is Reverend Deaver's. So, or, well, Ruth's, I guess it could be too, right? He's yeah, playing the stuff from their guest house. And Reverend Deaver was born in 1951. So at the time that this song came out, he would have been 15. I think we all tend to attach strong nostalgia to music that we heard when we were 15. Oh, 100%. Yeah. That's when you so, first start thinking songs are talking to you. Right. So it explains why there's still Linkin Park, My Chemical Romance, and Under Oath CDs in my car, even though <laughs> it's been a long ass time since I was 15. <laughs> yeah. 
That's great. Right now. And I have in my notes here, which is super important, that the kid is too damn skinny and needs to eat a sandwich. Yes. Or seven. I, I'm honestly curious if Bill Skarsgård slimmed down for this role because he's supposed to be some sort of creepy whatever creature or if it's just that like he's six foot four and lanky as hell and that's just the body type. No shade because obviously I'm attracted to him. Yeah. I've mentioned it several times. It's just that I want to feed him a sandwich. But his brother is all buff. Dude, his yeah, and you know there's like True there's like five of them. Yeah, by the Island, way, and Bill... I only know the one from True Blood, but he was like all ripped and everything like that. It was like he was like if Bill Skarsgård yeah. lifted. Bill Skarsgård's like the before yeah, picture, and then his right brother is the after. So there is freaking Alexander, Bill, Gustav, Walter, and Sam and Elsa. I guess who don't get any credit. There's also Ossian and Coljorn, so their parents are just doing it all the time. Wow, no stop. Yeah, damn. I mean, they make beautiful, talented people, clearly. So, yeah, like, yes. don't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. No, that's their, they're, they're playing the long game. Yeah. They're going to have keep robot it, butlers. Keep up the good work, Mr. and Mrs. Skarsgård. <laughs> you got pretty kids, pretty adult children, not being weird. Uh, after the scene with the kids sort of taking on Reverend Deaver's identity in various ways, Ruth is seen at the hospital getting given that same test that the boys got before, both Henry and the kid but she's not able to complete it. We don't hear what the words were and she can't remember them or chooses not to repeat them. Yeah, sure and I with. think it's really significant that they didn't give the words that she did because most of the, remember when the, when the kid did it and when Henry did it, most of the words were the same. Except they each mm -hmm. had a color. Henry's yep. was white and the kid's was, I think, red. Red. So mm -hmm. maybe if she had gotten a color, it would have tipped off which side she's on. Right. I agree. I think there's a lot of purposeful obscuring of Ruth's character at this point because... Unless her color was to, blue and they were just like, America, hey. <laughs> ah, that's too cheesy. We got to cut that out. That's why it's not in there. <laughs> yeah and we know stephen king is not feeling the current presidency no, if you watch so, his yeah, twitter for true. like more than five minutes you will get that idea trust me mm -hmm. so i thought ruth is seeming more and more like haggard and upset as the series goes on well, i don't know just if that's fall off a bridge well yeah that's true i know it's just <laughs> that you know at first she didn't seem like this was wearing on her too much but now she's kind of it's getting worse and worse. And yeah. like the kid said, time is her enemy. Clearly something's wrong here. So, and whether or not she's having more of these episodes because Henry's around or not, I think might be kind of an important question. Yeah. And which in the timeline, the kid getting out or the kid being found was yeah. the first act, but mm -hmm. the kid didn't get out of the jail until after Henry showed up. So it still could be right. that, you know, Henry is the, the catalyst for the whole thing and not the kid. Right. Or Henry and the kid are the same person and that's the whole deal. They're like two halves of the same person like we got in the mailbag or something. We did True. get that in the mailbag. Credit to whoever. I know I said we'd credit properly, but I don't have my cell phone on me right now. We'll make sure that we hit everything in the... It's just going to be a big free-for-all of Castle Rock during the microfiche episode. I could make an entire goddamn college course out of the first season of Castle Rock about comparative literature, literary criticism, and applying it to this. Multi-source whatever. Too much information. But... Speaking of important information, this is when we get Ruth pouring over the chess pieces and we sort of see that she favors the white king and the white bishop. Na -na. Yeah, I don't get what that is. Yeah, 
Except are the are the chess pieces not the white ones, but the dark ones? They're not. It's not black and white. They're like brown and white. Yeah, they're like a reddish brown, almost like they made it out of like North Carolina dirt. So if they were red, then the whole white and red thing. Oh, hot damn, Acadia! Through right. <laughs> you didn't even say that in the last time no, we recorded it. That's just... completely new information. I love it. <laughs> Never mind. We're better this time than we were last time. You're not missing anything. <laughs> And another important point of information, Wendell made it safely on the bus. Yeah. Thank goodness. Love Wendell. Because I was worried. I love him Me already. Me too. What a sweetheart. Yeah, he really He is. seems like such a good character. And Henry keeps like leaving him alone with his demented grandma for hours at a time. And he's still a sweetheart. So yeah. I don't know. But uh, that would make me uncomfortable. Yeah. The As the kid and the parent and the grandma. Like, I don't think anybody right. wins in that scenario. So uh, I used to babysit for some kids but their grandfather with dementia was there too. And like, that's why they had the babysitter. But let me tell you as a 14 year old girl that it terrified me because the kids would go to bed and then it was just me and this guy. And you know, I think it's just kind of a natural reaction to be uncomfortable. Yep. (laughs) And I was, so there you go. Dementia is very sad though. I'm not trying to make light of that. Just explaining that a teenager's reaction would be pretty normal to be uncomfortable, but he's not. He's very sweet to his grandma and just engaging and nice and polite and not on his cell phone all the time. But he and Henry aren't on the best terms, rightly so, I think. Wendell misses his dad. He doesn't see him that often. And he and his mom live in Boston, which is a long ass way from Dallas. Yeah, that is very true. So I'm going to take that as, hey, you know what? Good, because that was a dumb idea to go all the way from Texas. And and the fact that Henry ran all the way to Texas is significant, I think. Right. Especially since it seems like he can't afford a car or plane tickets. Like you knew you were screwing your relationship with your son because you Mm -hmm. can't go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like Henry does not have a lot of free cash. No, none, none. He is poor. His being the hero and unsuccessful lawyer to the death row people does not seem super lucrative no definitely not and now that i think about it he even took a bus to that alligator place in the first episode like i don't think he owns a car nope i don't think he does so either. yeah and he didn't take taxis either he was like walking everywhere in castle rock the guy is not doing well financially not so at all. and his mother's got money because she references mm-hmm. it are we we're not at the part where there she's actually hanging out with wendell not yet no yeah. this is just like the little bit and then I'm staying on track, people. We're trying to do this more or less chronologically, although it gets harder and harder as the show goes on because everything recalls something else. Yep. This This is the part of the episode now where we see Molly's like wheeling and ply in her real estate trade with some light lying among other things. Yes. That has to have some significance. It couldn't have just been a setup for her to see Reverend Bandage in the window. There has right. to have been a reason. The, the two extended real estate discussions have to have some type of... Yeah. How is she like getting all these people to try and buy a house in the middle of nowhere, Maine, in an unincorporated place? Although I don't remember if the buyers for this were out of state or not. No, they didn't say. But I mean, yeah. there's, gotta, there's those other people were fishy. So I assume that person that's like trying to dial into, well, wait a minute, you know, if Prospect is, uh, this is all Murderville, is it safe there? Yeah. Blah, and all that kind of stuff. What a shame that a place called Prospect Street turned out to be so dangerous. You would think it'd be full of hope and potential. Yeah, that was that is a nice name. Yeah. Yeah, you know if you live on like uh Happy Valley Avenue or some shit that you should just run away screaming. Yep. Because it's definitely not that. There's Hannah's real estate tip for the day as a person who's never owned real estate. Hey, you're just you're saving up for the right one that's on like appendicitis street. 
Because you know nothing yeah. bad will happen there. It's already it's already bad. Oh, no. I've, I've already got it. I'm going to buy a house where a murder took place because the odds of it happening again are, like, super duper low. So this maybe. house has already been murdered in. Yep. It's not going to be murdered in again. Come yeah. on. I'm, I'm and, down with that. That logic yeah. checks out. And also now if somebody, if there's a, if there's a murder near your town, I'm going to assume you got sick of renting and you decided to accelerate the process just by murdering somebody in a house that you liked. Yeah. You don't have to pay for a cell. Taxpayers pay for that. (laughs) Take that welfare. Uh, Did bandage priest look a little different to you? Like there's the, the bandage priest that I'm talking about, I guess is like the Reverend Deaver from the dream, but there's also the fully bandaged guy. That if you guys oh, haven't true. noticed on Twitter, when you type hashtag Castle Rock, you also get the emoji of Bandaged Priest next to what you tweet. Yeah, it is weird. both cute and annoying. Cause yeah. like, but anyway, it kind of looked like he had a latex glove over his head. I'm watching you, Castle Rock Props Department. Yeah, they're, or, they they need to... Maybe he was just better lit. I'm going to yeah. go with that because he was outside. Right, sure, sure. And, and she wasn't scared. No! What is wrong with everyone in this it, town? It's, it goes back to the things Zaleski said. How yeah. many times is this town going to look the other way? And Henry looked the other way and said, yeah, I know you got problems with that kid in the in the cell, in the cage, but I'm leaving. Right. That set Zaleski off. Molly sees that dirty baby playing in the dooryard of the, of the kid court, and she's just like, yeah, whatever. No one does anything about any of the things that happen. Right. It's crazy. These people react to nothing. Also, they randomly sniff the crotches of people's pants and eat soap off the floor. Everyone in this town is eating or drinking something they shouldn't or smoking something they shouldn't. I I don't know. But I guess it is the same guy who possibly broke into her house. Now I'm like curious. Are these physical beings or what that she's seeing? Can only she see them theoretically with someone else? Is it a vision? No, I think... I think she sees it and other people wouldn't. Like if if, if Jackie had been in right. there with her, I don't think Jackie would have seen it. Okay. I think so it's a manifestation after... of her powers. Mm. Well, then they're after her specifically, which is interesting because she doesn't hear, and we'll get to this a little bit more, she doesn't hear the schisma at all. Nope. But she does have the shining, which mm-hmm. is a, a separate concept we're going with now. These are divergent talents. Yes. The shining is not a one specific power either. Right, exactly. It's just like shorthand for strong brain. Yeah, and she is she's more of an empath than she is a psychic in the sense that it doesn't seem like she sees the future. She strongly feels or understands what other people are currently feeling and thinking because it seems like she hasn't been able to like predict things that are going to happen. It's more of a I know what's going on in your head deal. Yeah, that's true. But, You'd think maybe that's why she's such a good real estate agent. Right. She knows if people are vibing on the house or yeah. not. But not everybody is as loud as Henry is to her. So who knows? Checking in on Wendell and Ruth now. Wendell has some of my favorite lines of the episode. He was some of the best part, even though he's in such a little one. This one was, wow, the Bible is hardcore. Yes. Like, yeah, it is, my friend. Yeah, it is. It's all sorts of weird, crazy nonsense in the Bible. People get eaten by whales. There's like an entire chapter of the Bible where a guy writes poems about his wife's naked body. It's a crazy book. It's worth a read. Quite a trip. Listen, no spoilers. Well, kind of one spoiler for the Bible. (laughs) He dies at the end, but there's a twist. Yeah. And unlike in Stephen King's stories, he comes back better than ever. Yeah, that's true. That is true. He's not all jacked up like Church the Cat. Right. Exactly. No Wendigo in the woods in that one. Probably aren't a whole lot of, probably not a whole lot of woods around either. And she looks out the window while Henry and Wendell are like preparing lunch and talking about the sad amount of extra pamphlets for the reburial. And she's like, I'm pretty sure we buried him in that suit. 
probably talking about her dead husband, but now I keep thinking she's not specifying. So maybe it was the, pretty sure we buried the kid in that random suit. But no, probably about Reverend Deaver. And yep. the kid is now wearing his burial suit, which begs the question, where the hell did he get it? Yeah. How come he has it? Why isn't it exploded? Right. She's probably wrong. And yeah, holy she could be crap. Wrong. So she's unhooked from time. Right. Maybe she's so unhooked from time that she sees the future too. So maybe she does mean the kid, but they buried huh. him in the future. Oh damn, that's a good thought too. But the suit doesn't fit him at no. all. And like, yeah, I don't know. Why isn't she more bothered by that? It's just another case of that whole thing where yep. people don't react properly to things. It's like they're all the Adams family. Right. Like, what are you guys doing? Come on. But the real weird thing that Ruth is doing is she's holding like two fistfuls of spices to make sandwiches. Yeah. Like, what are you honestly putting on there i don't know maybe that's a thing that people do and i'm just not tapped into like the best kind of sandwich but no, you don't put a bunch no, of i'm not that stuff on a sandwich right I'm not putting like a bunch of dried tarragon or like red pepper yeah, flakes no. on my turkey sandwich it's ridiculous you making a sandwich or trying to summon the bell witch get it right. together ruth then and why does she have a bunch of spices in these little plastic jars when she's drying everything from her kitchen ceiling? Because she can't reach the stuff on the ceiling. She That's definitely just for show. well, yeah. How'd she get it up there in the first place? Then doesn't make any sense. The kid wanders back to the garage, I guess, because then he's watching these creepy home movies in the garage. Yeah, that and was a big advancement of the plot. From yeah, the it is. And it seems like the movies go back and forth between like the scenes in the woods where Henry and the Reverend are doing whatever their weird thing is. And then these like, almost like they're staged happy family scenes. And Henry doesn't seem happy at all. Almost like he's faking it. Now, I don't know if that's like preteen angst. More so, it seemed like he just really wasn't into it. For yeah, he could have been playing Super Nintendo, not walking around the woods like a jerk. Yeah, true. And almost like he's uncomfortable around his dad. Yeah, no, but he doesn't like him. Maybe I'm just not giving the good old Reverend enough credit. But it really seems like Henry is not, not comfortable at all. The Reverend's tone is different too. In the woods, it's almost like commandeering and really kind of mean i think in one scene he's like calls him boy too which made me profusely uncomfortable yeah he's not um, a good guy no it seems awful you don't talk to an 11 year old that way and then in the family scenes he's all like i'm your stereotypical good dad i'm so cheerful to be around my son yeah i mean and it's kind of a uh heavy-handed you know, they're really hammering at home that, you know, the, the duality of the reverend. Right. Except that one would think, like you mentioned in the beginning, there would have been people at the service. Yeah. You know. Then again, now I'm going back to it and it's it's creepier than even that, Hannah, because nobody puts a thing in the paper, reburying guy. That's not it. Oh, people yeah. know about these things because they read them in the paper. That's why only old people go to funerals. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have Facebook. No, you're not going to put that on Facebook. Right. Reburying my dad, parentheses, again. Yeah. And, like, they've said that he's beloved, but it really doesn't... Nobody's confirmed that, I guess. And, like, the old church doesn't seem to have necessarily any feelings about him. I guess Pastor Unknown sort of talked about him a little bit. But True. cover story versus real story, people. It's it's a theme, and this is another presentation of said theme. I still think the Reverend is a ba is a bad bad guy. Yep, that's the theory I'm sticking to on this. Bad enough now, for Henry. To unfortunately, kill. yeah, exactly, or to hate. He's because he's all like "fuck you, Dad" on that tape. Yep. So something bad went down. Luckily, the uh, kid is prevented from further trying on clothes or 
watching videos because Henry gets a car hill and there is now space for the kid. Hey, we got freed up a bed probably because of murders. Right. Something bad happened or somebody got to go home, I guess. So Juniper Hill is, of course, the institution from it, from Insomnia, from Needful Things, Gerald's Game, the Tommyknockers, 11-22-63, the Dark Half, Bag of Bones, lots of short stories. It's in everything, almost everything that Castle Rock is in. So that's an important reference. It is not a good place in a lot of these stories. It's not a place you want to go. It's not a nice hospital in the sense that the staff cares deeply about you and wish for your health. But don't worry because Henry says it's much better than it used to be. Uh, He knows and he hasn't been around for years. Jeez. Right. It's like, oh, that's what you want to hear. So he goes there and then, so, and they need, cause they needed to get him off the lot. Right. Which now, wait a minute. Lord of Timelines, help me. I started to ask, but then I kind of answered it myself in my own head. The timeline of this particular episode, since Henry goes, hey, guess what? I've got to call Juniper Hill because the kid can't stay at my house anymore because he's a creep. Then Mm -hmm. he gets a spot in Juniper Hill. Then events take place at Juniper Hill and he gets back to the house right all while pangborn's gone right so was that just yeah, one whirlwind same. day in castle rock no because like after they said there were no beds he slept at the mill for one night and then he slept at henry's house for a night so what the hell was um, pangborn doing <laughs> well he went to the hospital to be with ruth for a few days yeah that's right like yeah, I, guess. I think she was in the hospital for a few days it may only have been three or four days though all right this whole deal, whatever it was. Hopefully they'll nail that down for us a little bit. I don't know. Either way, thank goodness. <laughs> I think you said the kid looked like a scarecrow when we first tried to record this episode, which is doubly funny because as soon as he shows up at Juniper Hill, a, a few birds die. Scared him to death. <laughs> yeah, scared those crows right out of their skin. They just flew straight into the ground. Very unfortunately. Flaggy. Yeah, and like every time a bird dies in a horror movie or flies into a window in a movie it's always an imagery thing for death like someone is imminently going to die which is not good it's a bad omen it's a very very bad omen bad things are about to happen but henry's not going to be around for these things because he goes back for to check in on wendell for like 20 minutes i guess (laughs) and go to sleep and wendell makes fun of him like the 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 grant fuhrer poster that kind of thing and and i think this conversation is important yes and it answers the question i've had since the very first episode how old was henry when he was adopted he was five yeah five years old thank that question has been driving me nuts now that means now i think they said that he was adopted from foster care but that still could mean that he was old enough to remember his biological family which is interesting i think there's generally a pretty strong drive to find out who those people are even if they don't so you wonder if henry knows and then it also means it took his family two years to figure out he was lactose intolerant which is really sad (laughs) yeah that sucks now that you mention it that really does suck yeah it took him projectile vomiting cake all over the place for them to be like oh maybe this kid has a lactose problem come on parents huh that's interesting and that scene i'm gonna digress on that scene for one second because there's something that doesn't make you know how he mentioned grant fuhr yeah so i was watching uh was watching something and they made note of the fact that grant fuhr was wearing his calgary flames uniform Uh uh-huh so they're like oh look devil flames blah everything like that Mm. and i was like that's stupid but then i was like 
wait a minute. Grant Fuhr didn't play for the Flames. He played for the Oilers. Because there was like an hour when I was young that I liked hockey. Yeah. And I so I looked it up. He only played for Calgary for one year at the very end of his career. So what year was that? It was 99. Okay. So Henry was still living at home at least a little bit in 99 then. In theory, yes. But also weird. You're not going to make a poster of a Hall of Famer in his uniform from the garbage he played at the end of his career. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's not, it's not how you do it. So I don't know. He specifically mentioned it and he was, I mean, the greatest black hockey player ever, but the fact that they showed him in a flames uniform is just weird. Hmm. Is this maybe an indication that this castle rock is not in our particular universe and that in some other universe, Grant played for the flames i don't know anything about hockey guys and it kind of sounds like you're saying grand fuhrer every time which yuck (laughs) (laughs) maybe i mean or again it's a prop people uh uh, you know a prop department thing it's just a strange it's just strange to me come on i mean like i feel like somebody on the set would have known that right some hockey fans and if you're a kid it's a and you love hockey and you love Grant Fuhr, you're not going to wait until he's 40 and almost retired to buy a poster of him. Right. Hmm. So, yeah, that is super weird. Maybe, yeah, maybe it's an alternate universe hint. Maybe it's a very, you know, very hidden one that only hockey fans would get. (laughs) Because I certainly didn't. (laughs) I was like, my brain shut off as soon as sports chatter started. And I went to my happy place. Yeah, go team. Whatever (laughs) team. I don't even care. Unless we're talking about the Tar Heels, then I care. (laughs) So, yeah, that's a good thought. Hopefully, you like to think that they don't say stuff for the. Only Twin Peaks can get away with just saying random stuff and have it not matter. I think they're the only show that gets to do that. Oh, well, I don't think J.J. Abrams cares. probably so that's an important question answered and then henry tries to get more important questions answered but ruth is doing her pretend dementia thing again what did what did dad and i used to do in the woods oh well you know you went fishing ha ha she's such a bad liar yeah she's terrible and it's like she's even she's just mailing it in right like come on try for a good lie or something and then she pulls the go ask your father because i'm i'm crazy right exactly like no Oh, damn. I got distracted by the hockey thing. There was another piece of possibly important information. And by possibly, I mean, I'm certain it is. Ruth lost a child during labor. That's a big deal. I would assume that that was a full-term birth. And that's super traumatic to lose a baby at that time. And it reminded me of Joseph Desjardins' wife, who also lost a baby during childbirth and also she died. So you got to wonder, is that a connection? Were they both making some sort of cursed deal that resulted in loss of pregnancy and life and ability to stay in one timeline? Or were they the same woman? But she got like a whole new identity? No freaking way that that would be crazy and cool. Right? (laughs) Yeah, I still want to know what Ruth's maiden name is and I want it to be a huge king connection somehow. That That would be be awesome. awesome. Fingers crossed. We'll see. Anyway, back to they Ruth and Henry's talk. could be the same talk. person. Yeah. I'm, I'm latching on to this now because the... <laughs> Let's do Let's run with it. They're big liars anyway, so why not, you know, just she failed to have a baby with Des Jardins and they just pawned it off as the Reverend. Because they don't say what the timeline is for either of those events. No, that's true. Hmm. 
maybe that's why she knows about it. That's haha. But then she'd have to fake her own death too. Yeah. I mean, crazy, crazier all things the other have things, happened. That seems like the easiest part. <laughs> right? Exactly. And we know she's hardcore because she says she dry swallows pills, which horrifies yeah, that's, me. That's not a fun yeah. thing to do. <laughs> Especially if they're capsules. You can't do it. Interestingly enough, there's a dog barking outside right when Henry starts asking about this stuff. And dogs barking in this show is never good. No. Not at all. It, it happened right before Ruth jumped off a bridge. It happened right before Lacey committed suicide. I'm pretty sure there's been other instances. The dog barking is a bad omen too. Hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. gotta be. And they never, they've no sold the fact that they own a dog. Yeah, because the one that Pangborn was talking about, she said it was like a local stray that she really liked, but it was also in the house with her and had like a collar on when Pangborn gave her the chess pieces if it was the same dog. Hmm, true. But I guess I guess I don't know. That's anyway, this dope. dog imagery thing has better had better get some sort of explanation or I'm gonna be really upset about it. Yep. It's just like a ton of dogs in the show. So then after they discuss the woods, it's sort of we hear the monstrous howling again. And I've come to the conclusion that Reverend Deaver is using Henry as some sort of tool, like some sort of dowsing rod or something to find whatever he's looking for in the woods, right. which we find out, out later is the schisma. Womp womp. Dun dun dun. And so that must mean that Henry has some special talent for hearing the schisma, that the Reverend can't hear it very well or something, because otherwise why would he need to bring Henry out with him? Or that Henry can somehow manipulate the thing and the Reverend can't. I mean... Being able to manipulate ties into kind of Dark Tower slash Shining stuff. That idea oh, yeah. of I'm going to use your power to do something else. Right, exactly. I mean, that's, that's a and, huge piece of the tower. And that would make a ton of sense because as we keep, and we're getting a lot more clues to this, every piece of advertisement about Castle Rock, even before it came out, they were careful to hammer home the idea of the multiverse the Stephen King multiverse. Yes. So, and not just because there are a ton of books. I think actually there's some multiverse concepts that are going to come into play in this show. Mrs. Axe sent a note. She decided that I have to read The Sun Dog. Oh, yeah. Because that was set in Castle Rock. But then she decided <laughs> that she's going to read it and then tell me if I have to read it. But oh, you know what how... a fab lady. Yeah, right. So King does these long ass notes about why I wrote the story, you know, and that kind of thing. And yeah. Uh, so she sent me, this is this is like the equivalent of breaking news, folks. It's, he says, uh, when he did the Dead Zone, that was, I think, the first of my Castle Rock stories, and Castle Rock is really just the town of Jerusalem's lot without the vampires. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess we can roll vampires out. Yeah, and I think that that matters to me because Jerusalem's lot was supposed to be the epitome of a small dead town. Yeah. You know, and since... It had been full of vampires and most of the citizens became vampires. I think it was smart of him not to go back to it. Yeah. Not that Jerusalem's lot does not come back up in the King universe, but right. I can't spoil things. <laughs> <laughs> we try not to spoil too much, exactly. but it, it's unavoidable in some ways. Well, as Henry often does when he gets upsetting news or feelings, he goes to Molly to use her as essentially like an emotional tissue for all of his problems, which I resent. Yeah, that is true. But yeah. then again, he also literally has no one else to talk to. I mean, yeah, but whose fault is that? You know, I guess. You sleep with the girl, you call her your friend, you, you know, only seem to meet up with her when you're troubled. I just don't appreciate the way Henry is conducting personal relationships. But then again, <laughs> I don't know what dynamic gets added when you know 
that your kind of girlfriend knows to... when you're whacking it. Yeah, that's You know true. what I mean? So that's kind of <laughs> like I think the familiarity thing really, really just they they went way past third base right from the jump since she was in his brain. Yeah, and I mean, I feel the need to mention it, but credit where credit is due. The fan critical guys made this joke before we did. But like, are her orgasms when she's having sex with Henry just like the bomb.com? Because, like, super jizz because she feels his too. My mother listens to this show, everyone. So does my dad and my two younger brothers. So I bring shame on the family. Shame on me. Shame on... Not as Dishonor much shame on my as, as someone having to call the ambulance because you're caught in a psychic jizz loop. Yeah, well, <laughs> they both died. They stroked right out. <laughs> they didn't stand a chance. <gasps> we, sh- we should all go out that way. Exactly. You know? So Molly says that, like, you hated your dad. She He doesn't remember that. He doesn't remember not having a good relationship with him. So then I'm like, have you been conducting this entire dad-son relationship out of obligation since he died? The fact that his memory is gone or he pretends that his memory is gone it's gonna really be gone at this point i think but maybe he's just a really good actor i mean well he is but also if his memory is really gone then it would make sense that he's just constructing things out of yeah i guess that's true like you would try to act how would be expected and i guess you expect most father-son relationships to be fine on the other hand if you had no memory of your father. Mm-hmm. And well, you'd ask your mom about it. You'd ask your mom. You. You'd also, if he knew there were a bunch of videotapes of him and his father, he would have already watched them, which means right. that they didn't have enough meaning for him to do anything with. He just stuck them back in the box and went, oh, well, I don't remember anything about my dad, but I'll watch these videotapes where he's making me walk through the woods asking me fucked up questions. I'll just leave that alone and never bring it up. Right, which is not normal. he never saw the videotapes before, which means he would have been, get out of the way, skinny, I want to watch my dad. But he didn't do, you know what I mean? So that's kind of a few points in the, he's faking that he doesn't have a memory. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's so weird to try to parse that because they've set us up that these people don't behave normally anyway. It's kind of like, well, it could be that or it could be the other thing, because... We're still not really sure what Henry's like as a person. In the first episode, you're kind of primed to think he's super noble because he's, you know, a capital defense attorney. It seems like he's just trying to do his best. He's nice with this old lady, but he also seems super selfish. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about Henry. It changes a lot. I I think that if Henry wasn't a good guy, Pangborn would know. I'm yeah. still going by my Pangborn as a gunslinger figure or a literal gunslinger, even though he doesn't know that's the word for what he is. As yeah. far as Castle Rock is concerned, I think that he understands he was still looking for Henry. Yeah. Because at that point, and this is significant too, the Lacey thing had already happened. He'd already let Lacey drive away with the kid in the trunk. So that means, to me anyway, that he was still looking for Henry for other reasons. You know what I mean? Yeah. So So, yeah, that's true, I guess. Still not pleased with the way Henry behaves sometimes, but that's okay. Molly also says she does her little murder admission that she knows the feeling of what happened in the woods and that's like, We did it together. That's why we murdered your dad, even though I'm the one who pulled out the tube, it seems, because I could feel all of your hatred, and that's a normal thing to do. Yeah, but I looked at my hand, and it was your hand. Yeah, so they still really don't want to come out and tell us, like, who actually did the crime. Yeah. 
that they're so, keeping it very and he's like you're fucking crazy because that's yeah, the thing that like, that's it, the thing that flipped it yeah and we still don't know if that means like i don't believe any of your psychic shit you're a crazy person or you murdered my dad you're fucking crazy or you know this situation is strange you're fucking crazy yeah we had that scene in one of the earlier episodes where she clenches her fist and then he clenches his fist yep almost like she's the one who's determining action but then at the TV station, it seems like she couldn't control spitting out everything that she did because it was a very unmolly-like thing to do. You know, she was just really invested in her little revitalization project. It almost seems like Henry's thoughts overwhelmed her and just compelled her to say all that stuff. Mm. So who's really in control? Who's who's doing the push and the pull? I, I'm not sure what I think. I think that if Molly was the pusher, holy crap, that's actually the name of a section of one of the Dark Tower books. What? Yeah, the pusher. And I didn't, I mean, I they didn't say that. I use that term, but it's just funny synchronicity. Yeah. I think if, if she were the manipulator, she would have manipulated Henry to not leave or marry someone yeah, else. True, or guess. You know what I mean? So, or, or made him leave because it made her life incredibly awkward. That's true too. Hmm. But she was like super obsessed with him. So, and we still don't know like exactly when Henry departed Maine. Because no. I was saying that, the tinnitus apparently also bothered him as a teenager. So after he came back from the woods, I guess, it also just seems like he hasn't been around for a long, long time, even though we know he hung a poster in his room in 1999, which would have been when he was 17 or 18. Yeah, I mean, I guess that would make sense. Where would he have gone when he was a kid? So yeah, he had to have stayed there and maybe he met his wife yeah. in, in Castle Rock or maybe he went to Boston to be a big time lawyer. And honestly, we know Ruth had money because he he went to law school anyway. Yeah. And maybe like, I was now, thinking, maybe he's just going to pay a bunch he, of loans. <laughs> yeah. Well, he has to be like at least maintaining a main law license, I would think, because you can't, you know, I'm not sure for every state, but it is true that you can't just practice law wherever you want. You generally have to get licensed in yeah. the state that you're practicing in. He's got to have a main law license, which might mean that he went to law school in Maine. Yeah, that's fair. Guess we'll find out. Yep. Maybe we won't. <laughs> Poor law-abiding Pangborn is now sneaking around <laughs> the weird junkyard. Sneaking in the junkyard, yep. Yeah, and you're, it would have been such a great idea to have, or well, it would have been fun for me anyway if this took place in the Stand By Me junkyard because it's such a scene reminiscent of that because he is like straight up squatting badly behind cars mm -hmm. trying to avoid it all. But they don't show us that much right now. It's just setting the scene because it jumps right back to Ruth and Wendell playing chess after that. Right. And we see that some of the pieces are missing from the chess set. There's like a hot sauce bottle and a salt shaker and some other stuff. And Ruth is once again touching her two favorite pieces, the king and the bishop from the white set of chess pieces. Mm -hmm. At least I think it's a bishop. I, I just couldn't I see it being bishop. any other. Yeah, I'm just going to go with it. It didn't look like anything else. Right. And while she's contemplating whatever she's contemplating, Wendell says my second favorite line of the episode, which is, are you having a stroke, Grandma? <laughs> and he's real calm about it. He's just like, no, seriously, tell me, and I'll probably do something sweet about it. And she says, if I tell you something, do you promise to keep your mouth shut about it? So you know it's going to be good. And she says that she uses the chess pieces as place markers for herself because she's sort of got some sort of timeline multiverse displacement deal going on. And she knows if she sees the king in the refrigerator, this is where she is. That's pretty self-aware. 
Yeah, doesn't seem like Ruth has dementia to me. And that it's either her time jumping or whatever she's doing that's causing the symptoms that are like it, or time travel's just straight up disorienting. And if she can't check a marker, then she won't know where she is right away. Yeah, that's so. I, I think that was incredibly important. If we're going to assume that she's not lying about right. having dementia completely, which I, I'm not 100% sure that I'm prepared to do because it's very possible that she still might be lying completely. That's a pretty elaborate con to go on. But the way yeah. she described it this time was amazing, just like when she was talking about the pictures in the book. The idea of her being unhooked from the way time works means yeah. that when she's not having an episode, she's super smart. Right, and... Maybe at first she thought it was that, but now she's sort of figured out she has control over it. We don't know how long this has been happening either. Right. And Henry doesn't get home much, so sure. he wouldn't know either. They had the in-home nurse and whatever, so seems recent, because I guess in a younger person, you would maybe worry more about this not being like your typical old person I guess. problem. I liked this. I thought this was really neat, and now I'm going to be looking for chess pieces. I already went back and looked. There weren't any in weird places in the old episodes that I could see, but Aww. I'm excited for this potential Easter eggy kind of thing to look for. And I want to see when something happens and there isn't one. Right, yeah. And where's she keeping the other ones? Because we've only seen the one in the fridge, I think. That's right. the only one that I remember. And we've already established that the little soap figurines are a separate phenomenon from this. Yeah, so much for anyway. that theory of mine. Whatever. <laughs> yes. Now, if only Henry had been doing something similar, because he's off in the woods using a video camera to try and find his way back to wherever his dad was taking him. And I thought this was bullshit, because how much would a forest change in 27 years? Unless it's caught in some time bubble where things never grow or move or get defaced by teenagers. I suppose, I but the path generally stays a yeah, thing. So, but was it even a path, though? Was it even I really suppose. like a path? I I don't know. You're I'm very anti-forest, Hannah. Yeah. Uh, well, the outdoors are not my friends. <laughs> I am. I am not an outdoors. You person. inside kid. But yeah, I just think. Yeah, I'm a reader. You know, nature doesn't <laughs> like me. Although I am not allergic to poison ivy, which I'm told is a rare thing. It doesn't affect me. Wow. Yeah. So you're very impervious to fungus face. Well. Yeah, at least that kind. <laughs> Haven't tried any of the other poisonous plants. And like every horror piece of media that's ever been, the camera in the or the battery in the camera dies. And so he, he loses his way. Of course it dies. Yeah. I don't know why he didn't bring extra batteries. Yeah. Why didn't he have it together enough to remember that that's a thing? Maybe he can't afford batteries. <laughs> well, I it's not know. that those had special batteries that had to get. Yeah, but you know, D batteries can get kind of expensive. Yeah, that's right? true. Or, yeah, but I the, mean, uh... maybe they didn't have a spare for the camera. But I think the fact that he acted all confused as to what was happening was a weird. Right, twist. like, come on, dude, this hasn't been used since the nineties. Also, the, 80s the thing or was whatever. blinking low battery, and you were staring at it. So when it went off, what? Uh, it's weird. <laughs> Either way, his battery dies. Oops. And when his battery dies, they cut back to Pangborn again, doing his bad sneaking around. I'm still confused as to why he wouldn't be allowed to just, like, walk around this junkyard and look at stuff. I don't know of a ton of, like, high-security junkyards, except, like, Area 51. It didn't seem like the kind of junkyard where you're like, oh, I need a side mirror for my 1987 yeah. Datsun. It right probably if it was locked up then it was for insurance reasons because it was just a bunch mm. of sharp metal cubes around yeah 
Couldn't he just flash his sheriff badge? Whatever. Yeah, that's true, too. We do find out later that it's probably owned by the mob, though. Yep. It's all mobbed up. I don't know if we're going to be back to Syracuse anytime soon, but Mm. they hammer home that Pangborn has taken this so serious after he sees Lacey's car that he pulls a gun on stereotype number four. Yeah, there's a lot of stereotyping going on. It's just like, mobster, the guy. Oh, but before that happens, there's that really important radio clip that Pangborn seems like he's going to give up. He gets back in his own car and hears a very important radio story. Very true. Meanwhile, back in Castle Rock, there's a big murder slash fire at Juniper Hill and four dangerous inmates escape. Yes. So assuming that they counted the kid as one of the dangerous inmates, that means that there are three more dangerous inmates running around a town that's being pinned down because of a forest fire. So yeah. it's becoming, it's going to become a, I don't think that in later episodes, people are just going to be zipping off to Syracuse on joyrides to get junk cars. Right, exactly. Yeah, this is not going to be good. I mean, I guess we could assume that the five deaths were the result of the fire part, but part of me thinks that that's definitely not true. Yeah, no. He killed people. Yeah. Or he had and... somebody kill people. Yeah. And, like, maybe it was staff that died because one assumes that they would try to prevent escapes and that might make the kid angry. Right. Because he's, he's not trying to be in any more... Well, he tried to be in the cage that he made by himself. <laughs> True. Out of, out of Molly's windows and stuff. Aw. Oh, and there was a tiny clip of 24 hours from Tulsa because it's stuck in Penguin's still stuck in player. Yep. They're getting their money's worth out of the rights to that. Yeah, they really are. Of course, I don't know anyone else who's trying to buy the rights to that song. I'm certainly not. That got so weirdly intense and violent between both of those dudes. It was yeah. just testosterone fest. I'm going to pull a gun. I'm going to swear a lot. Give me the fucking car. You know, well, the fucking car. Yeah. Fat Tony's going to hear about this. No, oh, my God. best friend died in there. I can't figure out what Lacey and Pangborn's relationship was and neither no. can they. If they'd used Facebook, it would have been complicated. <laughs> it's complicated. <laughs> I'll let you kidnap kids, but we're not hand we're not handball buddies. That's right. <laughs> whatever. I don't know what handball is. Don't at me. <laughs> no, so, seriously, at her. No, do, nobody explained to me what peg what ha- I my life is richer for not knowing what handball is. <laughs> it might not be though. I'm just not very good at sports, so probably just another thing that I wouldn't be very good at. Handball is just it's like tennis, except that you're both on the same side of the net and you're just hitting the ball against the wall with your hand instead of a racket. Okay, you're flat hand slapping a ball against a wall? Yes, it's like racquetball, but no rackets. Okay, I'm going to YouTube this after. This sounds hilarious. <laughs> I, at least the idea of me playing it is hilarious. All right, I'm on board. And finally, arguably the most important part of the show, the most exciting part of the show, Henry's weird bonfire friends. We finally get to see them. First, he only sees one half of the bridge-watching duo. This is where I wrote the cheap knockoff brunette Macaulay Culkin <laughs> note. <laughs> And turns out that the duo's name are Willie, and that's Rory McCulkin, and Odin Branch. Odin is a weird name for a person who's not a Norse god. Yep, 100%. So it's got to be significant. And thinking to myself that it had to be significant, I Wikipedia'd Odin and got a couple of notes that Odin is a Norse god who sometimes comes to Earth in disguise to seek greater knowledge, which I thought was interesting considering what Odin Branch is doing. Yep. Odin took part in the creation of the world. He slays some monsters. By the way, I'm really hoping there's going to be like a monster that isn't human looking in this show. Maybe that's just me, but come on. I want some crazy creature from the void. 
or something. Yeah. Because so it far be it's something. just, you know, creatures are fun. All we've gotten is dogs. <laughs> and like a really tall kid. True. Adult man. He's not even a kid. He's a living scarecrow. Trembling ah. fear. And Odin is also associated with female warriors. Shield maidens. So I thought that was interesting considering Ruth's line about shield maidens and yep. dying where she stands, I guess. Willie is Odin's interpreter because Odin is deaf and communicates with sign language. Willie does a great job, I think, of interpreting. Yeah, he does. He's pretty good. Yep. All the good emphasis seems that he's getting it really accurately. I wonder, like, why he knows sign language. Be interesting to find out. He's also his protege. So that's interesting. We find out that Odin knew the Reverend, which is important information, clearly. Yep. And that they they have shared interests of, what did they say, like, religion and philosophy and all that stuff. And mumbo jumbo acoustics. Yeah, weird sound science. Sound science buddies. Ugh. And then he drops that, we're out here in the woods to correct Willie. And I'm like, correct him about what? But we find out and it's awful. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah. You don't want to be corrected. Not in this way. No. Anywhere that poker was going to go. It was going to be bad news. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. It's a bad problem. Oh, man. So what I find or found especially interesting or of note about Odin and Willy is that it's another older man and younger boy team of opposite race out in the woods looking for a weird noise, which is kind of what the Reverend and Henry were. Not that the race thing is necessarily important. It just... Yeah, but that didn't occur to me. That's interesting. Yeah, it's just another sort of like, you know, thing going on in the two groups. And so then I got to thinking to myself... Was Lacey trying to kidnap his own younger protege to look for this thing? Was Desjardins keeping one out in the cage in the woods? Like, what's the deal with this? Is it harder to hear the schisma as you age? I don't know. Because hmm. you have more, like, distractions. Either way, we'll see if that ends up being significant. What was that good line about science and magic that you had when we recorded this the first time over? Um, it was Arthur C. Clarke. His third law was all advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Right, which is why the universal translators in Star Trek work. Yep. Because you could never create that technology. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they're not like a mutually exclusive idea, which is why what the Reverend calls the voice of God, Odin has with his advanced degrees interpreted through a scientific lens and named the schisma. Now, I have a bunch of uh, very complicated sciencey notes that I got from my faithful PhD husband that we'll go into in the the archives because some of it's really interesting. But suffice it to say that the schisma has also been called the music of the spheres and is a concept that has existed since ancient times. Hmm. Yep. And he says, now bear with me, all of you fellow laymen like me who are like, what the hell does that mean? Odin says that the schisma is nanoscale turbulences caused by cochlear quantum totalities abrading in parallel. Hmm. Why, yeah, that sounds is... super important. So sciencey, very science, much complicate. Now, when I asked the scientists in my life, and I should say I'm married to an engineer, my father is an engineer, and my brother is an engineer, and that's two electricals and a mechanical. So I'm not Wait, lacking. Wait, none in, are like... the train kind? I'm super what? disappointed. Sat- None are sound engineers. No, well, or yeah, that'd be the... good too. Yeah, you. We need someone to have that... one of them study up on driving trains so that we can just take trains everywhere, and someone else become the sound guy. Oh well, Jason. Well, my husband does work on magnetic levitation vehicles. Man, trains. Yeah. Well, I have a. Focus. So he does work. He does work with trains. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. 
anyway, suffice it to say that I got a lot of sciencey people in my life and I managed to do a doofus translation for myself of that phraseology. And it comes down to very small movements caused by inner ear small frequency units scraping together side by side. Which is all to say that this may be an instance of television science jargon, because that's really just describing the human hearing, right. the, hum- the human ear as it functions, because we're always hearing multiple frequencies happening on top of each other. That's why everybody doesn't sound the same and we can't hear, you know, certain types of things. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, this all to say that Odin is proposing some uh, sound multiverse travel theory shit, I think. Right. And then, whereas you immediately got that the hot poker was about um, correcting Willy, which we find out means blinding, I kept thinking back to... No, deafening. Deafening, excuse me. I I miss Mrs. Lacey. You're just going right for the eyes. Yeah, poor Mrs. <laughs> no. Lacey. She's um, got to come back, I think. Yes! And now, well, I, I've been thinking about it. This whole taking more time... And having to do the episode again made my I brained way more. So keep okay. going. <laughs> um, but there's a thing on one of Henry's missing posters that says he has a black scar on his abdomen, and I was wondering what caused that. And I'm like, oh, something about a hot poker. But no, it, it's being used to deafen Willie, so that might just be the the scar might be insignificant after all. Yeah, and I'm going to call out to the listeners if anybody has any medical knowledge whatsoever, please, 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 please tell us. At least one alternative to shoving a hot poker in your ear if you wanted to deafen yourself. God, there's got to be something better, right? Yeah. I mean, pouring delousing powder in your ear? Like, you know, something? I don't know. Listening to rock music really loud for 30 years. That might take too long. It's yeah, too long true. to wait. But yeah, there's got to be something. Maybe detonating a flash grenade right next to your ear? Oh. Yeah. So if deafening is the uh, key to communing with the schism, seems like Henry's getting pretty close right after his whole almost going deaf experience with the guns and the the booms. True. Yeah. Mm. And the schisma sounds like ringing in your ears, apparently, which he's been having since he was a teenager. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder, and because he's explaining that the sound, the schisma is, and and I'm I'm revving up. You can tell that I'm I'm starting to get wound up for my big dark tower tangent. But it would imply that there are regional aspects to it, which means that if it was really just the sound of universes grinding against each other, you'd be able to hear it wherever you were. Right. Yeah. Odin does say that it's louder in certain spots, only certain people can hear it, and that some listeners need an amplifier fire to hear it clearly so and that's yeah that's where we get into for me anyway the closest we've gotten to just out and out saying that castle the, rock the castle rock yeah. is tied to the tower because there's a thing and anyone who hasn't read the dark tower books you might want to skip ahead a couple minutes or anything if you're if you're gonna read them uh, this isn't a big spoiler and i'm and i'm certainly not gonna like wreck the books but there are things called thinnies and a thinny is a place where it kind of just like it sounds it's a spot where the thing that separates the worlds from each other is kind of scraped thin and it's maddening it is described in the books as making this weird noise that freaks people out and and it's also described as emitting a silver greenish light bum, bum, bum. So, which is what's glowing in Lacey's eyes in Lacey's and eyes. was in the side of the camera right so then 
and kind of on uh, Zaleski's face when he's looking at the monitors. Of course, that could just be the monitors, but... What I took from it and what I'm taking from it right now and how it fits into my whole Henry died thing, thinnies are spots between the worlds. And the, the only two... The only two significant books that King wrote about there being other worlds and people legitimately going back and forth between act no no actually no rose matter there's the painting mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. it's a it's a recurring theme so yeah but if dark tower is the guiding principle of the king universe then the thinny would be the thing that that would be the most recognizable to the king universe that said the peter stribe would the talisman the territories are another world and you can flip back and forth if you have a power because in the in that story jack the kid is told by uh speedy and and king kind of has a problem with the the magical black person as a as a character but i think he's kind of growing out of it which is good considering he's almost 70 but oh man i didn't even think about that yeah he 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 that's a, it's it's a trope of his and i i do think he's past it he gave the 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 character gave jack this wino wine to drink and said if you drink this you'll flip into the territories and then eventually Jack learns that it didn't have any... It, the magic was inside him all along, and he could just flip back and forth <laughs> whenever he wanted. So in the Dark Tower, there are thinnies, and you can go from world to world. And uh -huh. the, the space in between them is called Todash, and that's described as a cacophony of bells, this other weird sound. The premise of it being, if you get stuck between the worlds, then you're in a bad problem but even getting yeah. to the other worlds it happens the the whole book the drawing of the three the second the second book in the dark tower series is all about going roland not only goes to earth from midworld but he goes at three completely different times because around the tower revolve all the wheres and all the whens mm -hmm. the tower every door in the tower is going to go to a different world at a different time the way Ruth described her life now, like she, every time she turns around, she's in a different when she's always in the same where, but she's in it. She, you know, she said she could hear her father's outside mowing the lawn or whatever, like in theory. Yeah. Now if Henry, and it's right. And came back. Mm -hmm. If, if I'm still going to stick with him losing his memory, which actually the whole thing with the videotapes makes me wonder if he's lying. Yeah. The thing that was significant that they drew attention to was Pangborn saying, you don't have frostbite. Where have you been? Somewhere with no snow. Right. He could have, if he had flipped, then he would have been in the other world. The only other thing I'll say, and it may be a tangent, may have nothing to do with anything because it's, it's hard to pin down. But in the in the Talisman and the the sequel to it, Black House, the concept of the territories was in the territories every person had a twinner, and it was mm -hmm. essentially mm -hmm. them in that other world. And very few yeah. people, the people that could flip back and forth, were people whose twinner had died, because usually it matched up. When you died in your world, your twinner would die in the territories, and it was just you know this synchronous thing. The people that were special were the people that didn't have twinners. Jack didn't have a twinner, that's why he could go back and forth. Hmm. If Henry didn't Yeah, that if Henry didn't have his memories, maybe he's not the same Henry. Hmm. There's a thought and maybe yeah. Cuz he died and then they took the other Henry from the other place to take the place of dead Henry. Now, but Molly felt 
something when she killed what's-his-face, but Henry hadn't been found when the Reverend died, right? Right. It was days and days later. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, another thing that this makes me think is that time is Ruth's enemy. Now, a lot of the time when there are other worlds or other universes in fiction and movies, whatever, time passes differently in different places. So maybe that explains why the kid is aging so slowly wherever he comes from is like days in our world are like years in his and maybe Ruth's bouncing around between timelines is causing her to age faster or suffer the effects of aging faster or something like that. Right. And that time travel is messing her up for some reason. Now, I wonder why she's suddenly able to do this or if it's an ability she's always had or something though true hmm Hmm. lots to think about i'm getting really excited for season seven the more we talk about all of the or i mean episode seven the more we talk about this yeah it's great and the fact that they're at least hitting they're rhyming themes from the tower books that really gets me excited because even the concept of i need a kid to amplify it that's Mm -hmm. that's a, a huge piece of of the tower is and this is another one of those things that if you don't want to if you're going to read them this isn't a super surprise but the point of the whole how they're the, the bad guy is trying to knock the tower down you knock the tower down all the worlds just go all willy-nilly and it's it's chaos the way that they're doing it is they're trying to break the beams that hold up the tower and they do that by aiming kids with the shining at it through a machine so So, is that why they're after molly even though she's not a kid it's possibly they're called breakers and if you ever saw the movie hearts in atlantis or read the books Mm -hmm. uh, the book hearts in atlantis that is a dark tower story because Ted Browdigan is one of the best there were breakers that there ever was. So the people coming to try and get Browdigan, the low men in the yellow coats, they are people from the Dark Tower stories that are specifically on the hunt for breakers because they need them to break the tower. Ha! So now that's really interesting. These things rhyme too well to be by accident. You know what I mean? And I can't believe that they're just going to invent another mythology that's going to exist next to it because King kind of already did that with, if if the tower is on the back of the turtle, which it's supposed to be, does that mean Pennywise Mm -hmm. is more powerful and could just eat the tower if he wanted? If so, why do little kids vex him so? That never fit with me. And I can't believe that they would do this with another huge Stephen King property by right. just inventing another, this is the way the universe works. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think it jives too well, holds too much water, theory-wise. Yeah, I'm sticking with well, it. Well, we're going to find out way more because the the Reverend designed a device to help him commune with the schism, and Odin actually built it. It's a an anechoic chamber, which means a no-noise chamber, inside the creepy old school camper it's bad it's bad and you never get into somebody's camper and you especially don't get in their bank vault podcasting studio which by the way um just for the record our podcast would sound dope if we had a van with a room like that no it wouldn't because it would just be audio of me screaming you could not get me in a space that small with a lock on the door oh my gosh he locks henry in there i audibly screamed when and that not, happened, I was and like, not no. with like a little slide bolt either with a big submarine bank vault. Yeah, oh my thing. god. 
big old master vault, master lock vault thing. Mm-hmm. Jeez. And Henry almost immediately starts having like a weird schisma commune flashback deal that, and it reminded me of that thing from the Willy Wonka tunnel that uh-huh. scared me so much when I was a kid. Cause it's like just these flashes of imagery. And I tried to pause on most of them so I could see what it was. So the sort of a memory of his father speaking to him, all these like scenes of heavenly bodies in the universe swirling around, his hand playing with the car in the basement again, the kid's face, but not like a photo, almost like a drawing of the kid's face. Like those things where he, like the pictures where he was saying face or not a face? Yeah, kind of almost like a Rorschach thing. It was like black and white. So it wasn't like he was seeing a vision of the kid directly. It was a likeness of him. Uh, Then there's what appears to be a young Henry wearing sunglasses and kind of holding his head like he has a headache, like he's sitting outside the principal's office waiting to get picked up or something. A dark figure outside of the cage and then a memory of Henry running through the woods. Now, the thing that I thought was most notable about this is the vision of what seems like young Henry. Because if these are Henry's memories that he's having, he wouldn't have a memory looking at himself like that true we don't when we have memories like that it's from a first person perspective so who is the kid that he's looking at is it the other henry quote quote you know Uh or whoever or just some other kid some other black kid am i being incredibly racist no i don't think i am in any case this isn't himself i don't think or if it is something's wrong because this is not how we perceive ourselves in our own memories you look at a photograph or in a mirror and that's the only time you're going to see yourself so i always look like indiana jones in my memories i mean yeah we all make ourselves we probably all make ourselves look a certain way but no matter how hard you try you're still not going to see yourself in front of yourself unless you have a twin you know what just occurred to me Hannah. Huh. So this whole Sith Lord and Apprentice thing that that Odin has going on with uh, Little Willie. Yeah, ha, Little Willie. <laughs> if you had a uh, your own little version of Cerebro that you were going to sit in, so that you could listen to the universe rub against itself. <laughs> like some giant cricket yeah why would you have a big lock on the outside and not a way to get out from the inside yeah i guess maybe the experience is horrible or nobody wants to have it like yeah what's up with that so you have to have the apprentice otherwise if it doesn't work if the door is not locked and you can't lock it from the inside you've invented a really stupid thing also not for nothing i don't think the reverend fucking invented a podcasting room just putting a bunch of foam on all the on all the walls is yeah. not an invention. Yeah, and if the Reverend designed this thing, is he the one who put the lock on the outside, or was that now? Right? Now Odin does seem a little unstable, so maybe he added it because when Henry was like, "You're gonna make him deaf or not deaf, perfect," which is not something someone who shoves hot pokers in their own ears would be considered normal for saying. I don't like when he yeah. talks. Mm-mm. It creeps me out. And I was kind of wondering to myself in Hannah's overthinking corner, what a person who previously, like how young was he when he deafened himself? Because the reason that people who are deaf and learn to speak, speak somewhat oddly for us hearing people is that they aren't hearing the same things we're hearing when we're forming words. Right. So their pronunciation is different, sounds different. But for a person who was hearing and then made themselves deaf, he would probably have the inclination to be able to pronounce something like a hearing person, unless it happened when he was very young, which I don't think it did. So I don't know if that's quite a correct way to represent that, but whatever. Maybe they'll hire us as consultants on the show so that I can be like... (laughs) They need us. 
you can't use the same record player. That's not what a hearing person who <laughs> deafened themselves would sound like. Why is Ruth drying all these herbs if you're not going to use it in the show? Yep. Damn They'd it. hate us. They'd fire us after like a week. Yeah. I think they oh, actually well. probably already considered and dismissed us. Whatever, Hulu. <laughs> It's like Stephen King is sitting in his neat office being like, these guys suck. Yeah, they're overthinking everything. Come on. I'll just rewrite yeah, my maybe, books so that they're better. <laughs> maybe that tweet where he was like, stop getting caught up on the references was directed at us specifically. Yeah. Or maybe he was but just that's... providing cover for the sloppy continuity. No, I'm teasing. Don't be mad at me, Castle Rock. I still love you. Oh, see, I thought you were just being a, a super deep dive. Like Stephen King was lying so that we wouldn't pay attention, but then that they could sneak something by us and make it oh. an even bigger reveal. Well, now that's what around. I think. Yeah. I just basically believe the last person who talks. <laughs> Our Castle Rock conspiracies are spilling into IRL and yep. it's not good. Yeah, that's, that's a problem. This last scene is also very exciting. It's hard for me to say which one I found more interesting. So we see now that Pangborn survived his trip to Syracuse. It's dark, so it's probably been about 14 hours, maybe a little longer if that standoff with the gun took longer, but he's back. Still doesn't make any sense to me because if the kid was around to tell him to go to Syracuse and then the kid was back by the time he got back from Syracuse, if he was so urgent about helping Ruth, then he would have left right away. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> Either way, Pangborn still has no idea why he went and got this freaking car. Mm-hmm. And the kid says he wants to build a monument to to Lacey, to Warden Lacey, and to, quote, everyone who helped put me in that cage. Yikes. That's Which, weird. Yeah, and it says that other people were involved. Everyone. Sounds like there's going to be a lot more people who helped put him in that cage. Yeah, who else maybe, was helping? Maybe a congregation? Uh, ha, ha. Or maybe more people in this town are involved in this than we know. I mean, because other people than Pangborn have to remember the weird shit that went on here. Not necessarily the right assumptions about everything, but that there's weirdness going on. Yeah, that is I weird. don't know. But more importantly, whose blood is on the kids' hands? Yeah, because it's drippy. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of it, and it's fresh. Yeah, that's a that's a problem. And, like, Wendell had better be okay, or I will be, like, very much not okay. I think I know what's going to happen, and I think I know why it's going to happen. All right. I love that. Here's my brilliant contribution before what's sure to be more. This is the second time that we've seen the cast iron pan burning on the stove. It's yep. almost exactly the same scene, except there's blood on it this time. Yep. Okay, brilliant theory time. Well, obviously, the feeling is going to be that he has harmed either ruth or wendell or both right but i also think that ruth will be missing but not wendell not wendell i don't think they would do that because i think wendell needs to be brought in to learn you know what his dad's about and all this kind of stuff like wendell's gonna be because he's he's his son he will probably be able to hear it too because all this stuff Mm. you know is is hereditary just like yeah and odin did drop that line about like your son needs to know you and know who you are foreshadowing or was he saying you need to know who i am because i'm your real father god that would be so cheesy but i'll allow it right (laughs) and remember henry gave that super lawyer answer to wendell when wendell said you know don't you ever want to meet your real parents and he doesn't say or whatever however he phrases the question all henry does is lawyer it and say grandma and grandpa are my real parents not answering your actual question yeah so the uh the idea of Ruth going missing is going to drive Pangborn and Henry together. If they're both missing, it's really going to, because then they're going to have to quote unquote team up to find him. 
But mm-hmm. I think the reason that Ruth is going to be gone, I think they need to, and and I'm I'm either going to be super right about this or so wrong that everybody is going to punch me on the street. <laughs> if Ruth is gone, gone is easy to do if you can just flip to another world or be taken to another world. Because right. then you're still kind of in the same place. And that could be another reason why she's got the chess pieces because it's not just the when, it's the where. Because mm-hmm. if she is looking at a newspaper from that day, but there's no chess piece in the fridge. She knows she's not in the right way. Right. The other reason that I think it is, is because they're a TV show and for some reason they're dumb and they don't think that they can have some strong, two strong older ladies as centerpieces of the show at the same time. So my, my one-eyed girlfriend is going to come back when Ruth is off. And we're well, going to start, I hope so. they're going to fill in Lacey's basement tonight on Lacey's basement. <laughs> and, and you had mentioned the last time we recorded in the lost tapes that, you know, maybe someone who's blind and their other senses are enhanced could hear things way better. What right. about Lacey's creepy paintings and everything like that? Just like Rose Matter, which is a painting that you could go back and forth through. So... I mm-hmm. think that it's probably Wendell's blood and Ruth is missing. Right. Now, I've just had a thought that I didn't mention on the last recording. That Now, the kid said that he was going to help Ruth. What does he mean by that? Is his perspective on helping the same as what Pangborns would be? Would sending her back to the universe she's originally from be helping her? Would killing her be helping her in, you know, like an Asimov's rules of robotics kind of way? You know what I mean? Maybe yeah. helping her is more sinister in nature than we're just being too simple about it. I mean, sort that's, of deal. That's like correcting her. That's pretty probably. I hadn't thought of that. That's definitely. <laughs> I mean, I think that the the fact that these two things happened at the same time, the idea of the monument and the kid revealing the fact that he's bent about the fact that he was in a cage for thirty years. Yeah, even though he was, like, just last episode saying, you've got to put me back. Hmm. (laughs) To me, the kid has bad intentions, and now they've given him a motive. Mm. You know, because if we assume that he had a higher purpose that Lacey prevented him from achieving by putting him in the cage, also, he's mad that he got put in the cage. Right. He's got double reasons to be angry at the powers that be in the town. So, this kind of supports my sort of proposed theory of there being some sort of dual identity thing going inside the physical vessel that is the kid, because the longer he's away from whatever cage he was in, the more evil deeds he's doing, and the whole pupils dilating thing, which we will talk about in the microfiche episode, because I tracked every time it happened in all of the episodes. But it happens especially noticeably right at the end of this episode when he's got the blood on his hands. But in in the episode where he was standing on the roof, I mean, that's obviously meant to be a sort of like I'm thinking about jumping deal. He doesn't he didn't seem happy about the things that were happening before when bad stuff happened. He didn't want to touch Zaleski and hurt him. You know, like he seemed reluctant about that. It's there's been a there's been a shift in the way he reacts to the chaos that's happening around him. I think perhaps this is coming into himself, I think. Yeah. Or whatever was being restrained wasn't all a physical thing. It's something within him, something. Don't, I don't let know. that fucking kid out, said yeah. Pangborn. Right, exactly. Who then didn't seem super alarmed that he was out, so I don't know. <laughs> well, everyone in this show, whatever anti-anxiety the medication they're on, yeah. I want it because it works to yeah. the point of being, like, ridiculous. Granny on a zanny. Ha! <laughs> 
we need one more rhyme because we haven't beaten Helen Hell in a Cell with a well or whatever yeah. we did. Today. No. Hell in a cell in a well. In a well. There we go. Yeah. I don't know if I don't know if we'll ever top that. No. Uh, now that that's another one. shirt we can do though. Ha! That's true. There's no way that's gonna end up in the show. So, and that's the end of this one. I don't know where we're going for episode seven. I kind of feel like they're gonna do that annoying TV show thing where they're not gonna answer the Wendell Ruth question. I think we're gonna go back to maybe a Mrs. Lacey episode yeah. or like a God forbid a Jackie focused episode. Yeah, but no. it's gonna be like if it were lost, it would be, oh, now we're gonna learn about Walt. Yeah. Or like a flashback episode maybe where Reverend Deaver is alive. That would be interesting too. But And now I just made myself mad about lost again because it turned out that fucking walt didn't mean anything god damn it don't ever watch it hannah don't i won't i saw the first season and i was like this is gonna be shit and lo and behold Uh... it was shit (laughs) Mm. (laughs) maybe maybe this show will have the added benefit of just like bandaging all of the wounds that jj abrams has wrought on people with lost yeah i'd like to think that mark bernardin would would not be associated to a project that would lost us so yeah we love you mark be on the show yeah oh that would be so great wouldn't it be cool that would be the best and he he would so nicely and kindly tell us that he can't answer any of our questions right so we'd end up being well like do you all just have laptops in a big room or how does it work It's very low budget. Is that hat from the dollar store? Yes, it is, Mark. Thank you for asking. So, questions I have for next episode that probably won't be answered. Mm -hmm. What is Lacey's relationship to the schisma, if there is one? Part of me thinks that it's not the same thing because Lacey's hearing actual words. It's not a sound. Like, he says that specific sentences are being told to him, which is totally different. Yeah, that is different. And then... What's Mrs. Lacey's relationship to the whole damn show? She knows what's in that locked basement. It's her house too. Yeah. She might not know what color it is, but she knows what it is. Yeah. And like, she's got the perfect cover. Like nobody's going to suggest, you know, no one's going to suspect the sweet old blind lady. They think she's helpless, which she's totally not. She gets around that house like nobody's business. Yeah. Yeah. So then is there a significance to Henry's adoption year was another question that I wrote for next time. Hmm. That's I'm going to check Lacey's desk calendars again and see. That's true. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Like, mm-hmm. because they didn't time it to, he didn't say when it related to the, you know, the quote unquote, them losing the child, but. Right. And they are kind of on the older side, I guess, for, let me think here. Uh, Henry's dad died when he was 39 because Henry said he's older than his dad ever was now, which means that they got Henry when he was 30. 33, 33-ish. That's pretty old for having a kid for people their age, especially in a rural area. I would think that demographics would support the idea of people having kids more between the ages of 18 and 25 for that particular generation. Hmm, true. So, who knows? And uh, just for sort of a touchstone, and it doesn't, you know, people play whatever age, but in real life, Sissy Spacek is 68 years old. How old is the guy who plays Pangborn? I worry about him every time he does an even vaguely physical scene. Um, now, while I'm looking that up, what super famous, iconic horror movie was that actor in? Who, Sissy Spacek? No, Scott Glenn, who is 77, oh. by the way. Uh, okay, how old was he when he was in the movie? It actually the... Oh, wait. No, no, no. Shit. Was he in Silence of the Lambs? Yes, he was. Yeah. He was the FBI boss. He was Starling's boss. He's always playing some sort of lawman. Yep. 
Except that, don't forget, you got to watch The Keep, which will be impossible to find unless it's actually just on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think in a doesn't mean anything, but it's sort of interesting, Silence of the Lambs came out in 1991. Oh, there's coincidences all over the place. Yep. It's like oh. that six degrees of separation thing, you know? Wait a minute. That means, ugh, now I feel super old because, <laughs> because Silence of the Lambs was in 1991. Yeah, I was nowhere near old enough to see Silence of the Lambs in oh. 1991. I probably was not toilet trained in 1991. Well, so, yeah. technically I have no proof that you are now. So whatevs, Hannah. You can bing, just bing, bing. go ahead and be young. I don't care. Hey, I... you know... For all people who don't go on Twitter know, I'm just a very sultry-sounding 82-year-old. That is true. And, well, not sultry, and, but young-sounding, I guess. And I wear a wrestling mask, so whatever. No yeah. one's going to catch me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I 100% agree with you that this coming Wednesday is going to be off the beaten path. Because I don't think they're going to be... I think they're going to need to take a breath. Because there's yeah. been too many. There's been big reveals in the last two episodes. And I don't know, unless they're unless they're planning on opening a bunch of other holes that we can jump in, you know, they've got to start bringing us to, we're going to give you enough answers to make you mad that we also gave you more questions right at the end. Right. And when you guys tune into our next show, which is going to be the, the microfiche episode, our Into the Archives episode, where we talk about a big recap of four through six. I do have a list of every big unanswered question that I think between you and I, we think is going to be a major plot point that hasn't been answered yet. Right. And there's a, there's a fair few of them. So we'll see. They're going to have to start answering some of them by next episode. It'll be. Or they're going to get a sternly worded tweet. Yeah, exactly. 280 characters of venom of frustration. <laughs> Your word was scarier. <laughs> I think that overall, we have a lot to talk about for our microfiche episode. Oh, yeah. Like you said. And I think that we are also going to have to make sure that we thank everyone that's written in to um, castlerockhistorical at gmail.com or tweeted at Hannah Selector or at Acadia. Sorry to the people who asked us on Twitter why they had to wait. The the why was the deviant. We were freaking trying to recover an yeah. episode. It just didn't work. Yeah. So now I just stare at those files, those .au files mocking me. I guess I'm sad because it just keeps getting closer to the end of the whole thing. You know what I mean? I know. They say there's 10 episodes, so we're 60% done with season one. Now it did get renewed, so there's that. Yeah, well, they better get crack a lacking on it. Because our fan... Now, nah, well, we'll just fan fiction it up. I don't care. I don't even care. Yeah. <laughs> What if if the second season sucks, we'll fan fiction it up too. Yep, that's it. We'll we'll have a, a special episode where we make it better. <laughs> yeah, tune in for season two where Hannah writes a fan fiction where herself insert and and the kid make out. Yeah, and, you know, for an entire episode while other things happen off screen. Ugh. So everybody, listen. Thanks for being patient. Hopefully, it was worth the wait. And then we're gonna record. And I'm just going to warn you ahead of time, the next episode is going to be long. It might have to get broken up into two. There might be more ums than usual because taking them out takes a really long time. Yeah, so. we're only human and we're just thinking. It's a lot to say. And we also have to keep in mind that we're trying to keep it like vaguely chronological and understandable to people who aren't us. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, it's just 
it's like we have a really long commute to work. That's essentially how I look at this show. We just right. keep talking in the car. But what do you think about this? Exactly. But what do you think about that? Exactly. I think you should send us an email before the before the big recap if you have yes. any observations from episodes one through six that you want do us it. to talk about. CastleRockHistorical at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter. It's harder to say as much on Twitter, but you're more than welcome. I am at Hannah Selector and Acadia is at Acadia. And we're pretty friendly on Twitter. I think we reply to almost everything we get. So yes, we're we're send super away. responsive. Yeah. So then, uh, listen, everyone. Talk to you very very soon, and I cannot wait for episode seven. Even though I wish it was seven of twenty six, because that's how many episodes you're supposed to have of a TV show. Mm, yeah. Whatever. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. You Castle Rock. <laughs> <laughs> hey, nice. That's my new favorite thing. Woo. This shit stops now!